Today's episode of the Film Stage Show is brought to you by Mubi, the curated streaming service showcasing exceptional films from around the globe. For your free 30-day trial, go to mubi.com slash filmstage. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to a brand new episode of the Film Stage Show, the movie review podcast for thefilmstage.com. As always, I'm your host, Brian J. Rowan. With me today, we have Rob and Barr. Hello. Here's uh, Bill Graham. Just be aware of that candy with them razor blades. Yes, indeed. And with us today, special guest to talk about Nia DaCosta's Candyman reboot sequel remake. It is Craig Lizzie. Hello. How's it going, Craig? Fine. Awesome. Uh, would you like to tell the people at home a little bit about yourself and uh, your background? Um, I write film for uh, various publications, uh, Nashville Scene, Houston Chronicle, Crooked Marquee, um, and, and, and that's, that's mostly it. I mean, that's that's more than I do, so it's awesome <laughs> yeah. to have you here. And I'm always glad to uh, have a critic from, from Houston, my, uh, yeah. my old home. And Craig, you're doing a Criterion essay, aren't you? Well, I, I did it. Um, it's on. Uh, it's for the upcoming release of uh, Mass Society nice. coming out in November. That's so exciting. Congratulations and a great movie. Thank you. Um, we are here today to talk about Candyman, uh, again, from Nia DaCosta. Um, though, you know, again, uh, like, you know what? I'm not even going to bring that up. I'm not going to bring up the terrible discourse around who keeps getting their name thrown at the beginning of this movie. Because I'm just going to keep saying Nia DaCosta, and that, in my own small, shallow way, will be how I fight back. Um before we do that, the usual stuff, uh, go to patreon.com slash filmstageshow to give us your money. For as little as $1 an episode, you get first crack at all of our raffles and access to our Slack channel, and you help us to produce these episodes. Also, don't forget that we are brought to you by Mubi, a curated streaming service that showcases exceptional films from around the globe. Every day, Mubi premieres a new film with its timeless classic, a cult favorite, or an acclaimed masterpiece. It's guaranteed to either be a movie you've been dying to see or one you've never heard of before, and there will always be something new to discover. With movie, each and every film is hand-selected, so you'll never spend more time looking for something great to watch, and instead, you'll actually be watching something great. It's like your own personal film festival streaming anytime, anywhere. There's a movie on there that I wanted to highlight, because it's um, one of my favorite directors who I've only seen like three of his movies, and um, it's, it's this guy who I constantly say, like, I need to seek out and enjoy more of his films, and now I can, thanks to movie. It is um, Frank Fonia, the Louvre under German occupation, and this is from Alexander Sokorov. Following the success of one-shot wonder Russian Ark and his golden line winning Faust, Sokorov conducts something of a seance exploring the Louvre during World War II, a histographic film that chases concepts, not logic, ruminating on the weight of history and construction of culture. So if you are interested in seeing that, as well as their film festival special, Festival Focus Venice, all you got to do is go to mubi.com slash filmstage for a free 30-day trial. Again, that is mubi.com slash filmstage. So that is that. Um, anything else to talk about before we talk about Candyman? 
No, I can't think of anything. Cool. All right. So, yes, once again, we are here to talk about Candyman, uh, the sequel to the 1992 film of the same name, which, you know, we have we have got to stop making sequels to movies that have the exact same name. It is uh, it is bananas and bonkers that we are allowed to do that. This movie, directed by Nita Costa, also co-written by DaCosta with Jordan Peele and Wynne Rosenfeld. This is out in theaters now and stars Yaya Abdul-Mateen II and Tayona Paris. Um, and uh, we are here to talk about it. And here I shall play a selection of the trailer. Candyman. The urban legend is, if you say his name five times while looking in the mirror, he appears in the reflection and kills you. Who would do that? Candyman. 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 Well, we're still alive. <laughs> Let's go. All right. So that is part of the trailer for Candyman, which again is out in theaters now. So we're here to talk about it. Um, I'd love to start off when we uh, give our nutshell reviews, as always. By also saying uh, what kind of history we have with the original movie and any of its sequels, uh, if you've seen any of those. Um, and of course, we start with our guest, Craig. Uh, what are your thoughts on the original and on this new Candyman? Um, well, the uh, the original uh, is uh, when I saw it years ago. Uh, it was one of the dumbest ass ex- movie going experiences I ever had in my life. And um, I thought it was stupid from beginning to end. It insulted my intelligence and my race. And then, uh, not, not to, actually, not too long ago, recently, I saw the third one, which is like, oh, oh, yet another another white girl in and Candyman going toe to toe. And I'm just like, yeah, whatever. So uh, I saw this one, and I was glad that you know, just you know, there weren't any, you know. Any white ladies, you know, trying to say nothing. It was about it. It was kind of like this in a way, uh, you know, rejiggering, if you will, of the story, the Candyman story, making it out to be more um, pro-black. Which apparently, um, I, as as we might go on in the um, in the show, it's you know just I don't know. Some people you know might not have. Might not dig the movie being what it was and something that just I just I'm just I'm just trying to, to get ready and um and you know there's a strong chance I may drink heavily during this but I you know because I reviewed the movie uh, for Crooked Marquee kind of like you know out of the blue a couple of weeks ago when it came out just I I was uh, I was surprised by how much. How, how good I thought it was and just uh and I enjoyed it apparently like a lot of people are enjoying it apparently people who are fans of the original you know aren't fans of this one so you know yeah. so that's what, I'm, that's what I'm finding out it's just like if you're a fan of the original you're you don't dig this one all too much you know it's the opposite effect with me I uh you know I thought the the original was ass and uh, Joe, I just <laughs> liked like the new one. So, 
very ambitious, the new one. That's what I liked about it, that, you know, even like, you know, some of it didn't necessarily work, you know, didn't, uh, but uh, just, I, I just liked how, you know, they, they, they swung for the fences on this one, which is what you don't, you, reg, you rarely see with horror films these days, but this one. All right. Bill Graham, what are your thoughts on Candyman? And uh, did you see the original and what was its impact on you? So I have not seen the original. Um, I was meaning to get around to it. Uh, I was hoping to, you know, it, it kind of has a legendary poster. Uh, we've had this discussion on Slack before. Um, of like, you know, the blockbuster posters that you would always see. Um, this one definitely has one of those uh, posters. But um, I hadn't gotten around to seeing the original and I honestly hadn't heard that many great things about the original. So, uh, it wasn't necessarily high on my list. Uh, but I saw this on Monday and man, I had so much fun on Monday. Uh, Alamo draft house opened up again. And so I went to go see it with some friends and, uh, or not it. I went to go see, uh, Shang-Chi, uh, with some friends and had a blast. And then, I got the candy man and uh, yeah, I did a double bill of Shang-Chi <laughs> and Candyman, And I don't know if that was a bad idea, a great idea. I'm not sure what, like if I could have improved on that. Um, but I did not enjoy this movie very much. Um, now I was, I had heard all the bad rap about it um, kind of coming in. So I kind of was stealing myself against that. Um, I wanted to try and find some things that I would like about it. Um, certainly the performances, look, look Yaya is not going to give a bad performance, I don't think. Um, I've, I've loved just about everything he's in. Even his small, tiny role in Aquaman, I thought he was really good in. Um, and so... You know, I, I've been a fan of his for a little while, and I think he does really good work here uh, as kind of this troubled artiste. Um, but I just didn't feel like if if this is a movie that's supposed to scare me or supposed to bring up a lot of thrills and things of that nature, I feel like this film didn't work. I do feel like. I gained an appreciation for the Candyman mythos and the legend around it. I think I just wish that I had more thrills and more scares out of this film. I feel like it's not that it was telegraphing its its punches, but it definitely felt akin to that. Um, I usually don't outthink a film, but uh, I felt like I was ahead of of schedule on this one several times. So I feel like there's an say. easy but, joke I could make about you not outthinking films, but I'm, I'm going to hold back because <laughs> uh, I'm too tired to come up with mean jokes right now, <laughs> but it is also 91 minutes. So, you know, so automatic yeah. B plus from bill. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Robin Barr. Yeah. So I, I was not super familiar with the Candyman uh, cinematic universe before the, Please before don't. the don't remake, <laughs> well, I mean, it is. It's, it's true. The franchise. It's true. It's I, the my, okay. Uh, this is not the conversation to have at all. But I feel like a cinematic universe has to be multiple 
independent storyline films. I think I think that was more of a joke than anything. No, there are several sequels to the original Candyman. Right, Man. but I believe that a universe has to like there'd have to be like a, a movie set in the world of Candyman that is not explicitly about Candyman. All right. Fuck off right now. <laughs> that's fine. I just, I, mean, I it's, I, I, I hate hearing legit, anything but... cinematic universe. All right. Yes. My but point please, yes, is the Candyman franchise. There we go. Uh, I'm not, I wasn't super familiar with it. My husband and I ended up watching it, the original film, a couple of weeks ago. Um, and I, and I liked it actually. Um, I mean, there for the exact reasons that I think Craig, you sort of alluded to, uh, it, it it is it is a very very flawed film um i it's sort of you know the the way it handles race is really icky um i i mean i what are the things i actually liked about it i thought it was scary i liked the practical effects um which is something that i felt like the new movie was pretty much lacking um which is why i think Candyman was ultimately more haunting for me the original Candyman. Um, I also, you know, it's, it's about a white woman, which is already like, why are we following her, <laughs> um, through, through this, uh, the, you know, these, uh, these section eight homes, like it, it, it was very, very flawed. So I, I agree with Craig on a lot of the, I think what you were sort of implying about the way the film handles race. Um, but ultimately I did find it. I don't know if thrilling is the word, but like I was legitimately scared at certain points, which is very, very hard for me because I don't, I like horror movies, but I also don't really get scared by them. I think I enjoyed them more intellectually. Um, the new Candyman, though, I struggled with it in a different way, which is I just didn't find it all that scary. Um, I thought it was beautiful. So like the cinematography, mm-hmm really worked um i really enjoyed the lighting and the set design and like that stuff was just really that really was very striking to me um but i got a little confused about its use of the mythology and how it sort of like it shifts the it what am i trying to say it shifts the the thrust of the story in a different way so like it, it instead of there being you know, the first film is like, there's one Candyman, there's one legend, there's one sort of boogeyman, so to speak. Uh, and in this, it sort of argues that there are multiple candy men that are that exist because of uh, sociological like means or whatever. Like they, they exist because they were created by societies that... Um, that abuse black men. And so I, I get, I very much got the thrust of that argument. Um, but I just, I found it just confusing in the way it was executed. Um, and it sort of has things to say about gentrification and things to say about p- police brutality and the and murder of black people, but it just doesn't come together in a way that I felt was that that felt like a horror movie to me um so there were there were definitely good things about it but i ultimately just didn't find myself as uh haunted by this in the way that the first one was and not and not because one is about a white woman and one is about a black man like it wasn't like i was relating to one character versus another it i just think a lot of it was the the use of tension and 
again, like a lot of the gore doesn't really work in the second movie the way it works in the first. A lot of the like the B effects were so much better in the first film. Um, so this just kind they of were felt like real ass bees to me. <laughs> they were real ass bees. I think the the man who played Candyman, I forget the actor's name, but he actually had to say that again. I believe his name is Tony Todd. Thank you. Yes. Thank you. I forgot his name, but he, I think had to put bees in his actual mouth for a lot of those scenes. Now I don't want like to abuse actors by making them eat bees or something, but it was, well, you didn't swallow any of them. Maybe it you know, just, it the... worked out better. I think he, I think I remember reading that he was paid for like every sting he got so i think it kind of worked out in some way that they were able to like put this in the contract you had an extra like four hundred dollars per bee sting it was something like a thousand i am probably making that up but it seemed like a really worth it amount to me but i, I feel don't like you need been. to find that so we can shout it out because i want i will i will look for badly. the information i also i love bees like honey is my middle name so like i have an i have an affinity and of course we just watched My Girl and talked about the film. So I feel like this is a very bee-heavy September. But Right. We, anyway. we it's just this all September. It's only movies where fucking bees kill people. <laughs> Get ready for it. Uh, all right. <laughs> we so, so, yeah, yeah. He, he got $1,000 for each of the 23 bee stings he got. That's nuts. And that's like he, he, negoci- <laughs> he, he, he negotiated that, I think, after. <laughs> not, okay. I was about to say, like, not that's before. not just saying, like, he got paid $20,000, $23,000, and it just happened that he got stung the same amount of time. No, that's no, like no. on top of his actual. Okay. That's, that's pretty wild. I'd do yeah, it. Yeah. So poor, poor Craig. We're making him drink right now. I'm so sorry. <laughs> Brian. Yes. Um, <laughs> Good um, answer. Brian? Yes. So my um, uh, Brian. Yes. Before we go any further, I just wanted to ask, you know, if you are a guest on this show, does this mean I get a hookup on like the the whiskey and gin you you be selling up in Maryland? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, when I come down for Christmas, I'll bring you a bottle. <laughs> okay, sure. Right. Once again, that's Schmidt Spirits. Go to SchmidtSpirits.com to learn more. Um. <laughs> Not not made with bees. No, no, we do not do a mead yet. Um, mead is actually big business. I've I've realized there's a lot yes, of craft meaderies, hipster mm-hmm. drinks. Yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah, I can't deny it. I mean, the, all the ones I know are are in Baltimore, so that's that's hipster shit. You want to talk about gentrification? Mm. Um, <laughs> though I think it's I think it's stopped for now, but I, haven't, I honestly don't know. Um, anyway, uh, so I saw the original Candyman when I was, I don't know, like six years old. <laughs> That's um, a thing that children should watch. Yeah, no, 100%. Um, I went over to my friend Paul Yoon's house. Um, I went over there with a, a him and another friend of mine whose name was Ben, and I cannot remember Ben's last name, and I do not talk to either of these boys anymore. Um Paul Yoon was great. His family was very awesome. He had an older brother who would go to Blockbuster and rent us movies that we should not have seen. Um, <laughs> when Because, you know, Paul was, I believe, first generation American. So his parents were immigrants. So, you know, we'd go to his house and it would smell like, you know, some cooking that I'd never had before. And it was just it, I have such very clear, vivid memories um, of hanging out with Paul. And being exposed to this new culture. And then getting exposed to R-rated horror films that I should not have been seeing. Um, and Candyman was one of them. And then, of course, this was a sleepover. So we watched it. 
and it was dark outside. And then afterwards, his older brother forced us to go in the bathroom and do the candy oh, man ritual. God. <laughs> Which, um, <laughs> I was scarred. I don't um, like the words forced us to go in the bathroom. Like, that, that is a phrase. I don't, I don't know what to tell you. I wish that they, there had been a different room with a mirror, but uh, there was not. <laughs> so, you know... It goes from playing with the Stretch Armstrong to all of a sudden, you know, you got to you gotta go and su- try to summon Candyman. Um, and then when it happened and it didn't work and we were like, great, let us out. He was like, no, now you got to do Bloody Mary. And we were like, come on, man. <laughs> um, Wait, so you said Candyman five times? Yeah. And, oh. and you're still alive? I am, yes. <laughs> Despite being a white man. Um, so yeah, I um so I you know now again I was like five or six or however the hell old I was um and uh, so I you know I was young a lot of things scared me that probably shouldn't have scared me I feel like there was a, a Pepsi commercial where a bunch of football players were singing in quicksand and that scared the shit out of me um, <laughs> but Candyman had an outsized influence on uh, me being terrified of things and um. You know, I was I was six. I wasn't looking at it through the the lens of of all the stuff that I would look at it now. And um, I actually didn't rewatch it after watching this movie. I I, th- I thought about it. I wanted to, but there was just no time for me to do it, um, which I'm kind of upset about because I I didn't enjoy this movie that much, and I would have loved to have gone back and seen if I would have the same complaints because I, there's a part of me that I was like. I don't know, Candyman, his rules didn't make a lot of sense. And then I just, I listened to a podcast on Candyman, um, Black Men Can't Jump in Hollywood. They reviewed it a couple years ago. And um, they kind of said the same thing. (laughs) His rules don't make any sense. He's supposed to kill you, but he's just following this white woman around. And I'm like, oh, okay, so that is apparently his thing, I guess. Can I leave? (laughs) Because this this is going to be one awkward episode. Because it's just... It's just three people just all don't like the Candyman reboot. And then I'd say, oh, I liked it. And it's just, it, it, it's, it's, and you know, it, you know, considering how most of film criticism is today, where just people is, oh, if you like this movie, you know, you're, you're, you're a damn idiot. Yeah. I'm just, I'm just feeling. I mean, yeah, I'm not just, about to call anyone a damn idiot, but you know, well, I, I, just, I understand. I, I'm, I'm worried if I'm, <laughs> if, if I'm being completely honest with you, just like, I'm just worried. Cause like, cause I really want to know what I mean, you, you guys have said your reasoning about, cause it's cause like the, the general consensus I'm getting with all three of you is that uh, it wasn't scary enough. Well, so I, I will say that I don't, I don't particularly need it to be scary. I just, there was an aspect of it where I found the things that it was attempting to do interesting enough that I was just a little disappointed that it didn't seem to do them better. There was actually a review of this movie um, over at Vulture. Oh, um, yeah. Angelica by, Jade Bastions. Yes. Um, she excoriated the movie. Yeah, she goes she goes in deep on it. And I feel like, you know, my my review would sync up pretty well with hers and i just i just i can there's there's a there's a level of of um i don't know it's a hard movie to to critique in that way because it's one of those movies that also has a critic built in who says everything that i thought about the movie about something else in the movie and so i feel awkward Mm. repeating her especially because she gets murdered um 
I think there are, you know, aesthetic choices that I really liked. And, um, but just generally, yeah, it, it, it didn't engage me that much. I feel like also for a movie that is so anchored in, in being of Chicago, it, it, it doesn't quite grapple with that city in a way that makes it feel as grounded as the original Candyman or even like widows from a couple years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, someone on, on Twitter and I, I tried to find it, but it's such a, I just, I just don't know how I would even look for this. Um, said like, you know, there's, there's nothing that is said in the new Candyman that isn't said better in that one tracking shot in widows when Colin Farrell gets into his car and then drives like five blocks from, you know, the rundown area to his like multi-million dollar mansion. Um, and that that is kind of, you know, uh, a reason to shoot on location because you can get truth and reality like that. And, um, but yeah, I don't know. I was, I was disappointed in this. I was like all in on this movie. Cause like I said, I, I was originally terrified by Candyman, the original movie. And I, I found the, um, the trailers for this movie, especially that one that was only the little puppet show. Oh yeah. To be extremely like effective. Stuff. And I was just, I was so excited to see what um these creatives could do with this property which the original i believe was was directed by a a white man from england you know so i i was excited to see it taken over and um i don't know it just didn't it didn't um and and not only that it was directed by a white man but the original story which is written by clive barker was set in liverpool and about class issues in the uk and not about race relations in the us so oh, I that's think- even stranger yeah, I, and I think that's also where some of the clumsiness of the original sort of uh, uh, sort of germinates from. But I am curious, uh, Craig. You know, we're. Um, I don't think it's awkward at all <laughs> that you like the film and we don't. There's so many times or where we have a guest. Uh, on give it an hour. Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I mean, I don't mind. It's. It's. It, I mean, we we certainly don't think that anybody is like an idiot or anything because they have a different opinion. So I want that to be clear too. And in fact, like, I love when people can help me um, reframe my thoughts as well. So right. If this uh, were a Marvel movie, yeah. you know, I might say that someone's an idiot. But I'm. I'm deeply interested to hear. <laughs> there are plenty of good Marvel movies, and I'm saying that. Yeah. That's me saying it. There are four good Marvel movies. Um. <laughs> I just picked that number randomly, so please don't hold me to that. And ask me what they are. Um, but yeah, Craig. So I'm I'm curious. Um, did did you find did you just off the bat? Because I know you said like you you felt that we were saying it just wasn't scary. But did you find this movie to be to be frightening in that kind of visceral way? Like, yeah, I'm thinking about it. Just it wasn't even the 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 frightening aspect of it that was. Uh, just the whole the whole scary horror thing. I was just hoping that it was a good story. Because mm-hmm. right, the original is about this this legend of this guy with this hook with the beads, uh, killing black people in the hood and castrating kids. And here comes uh, Virginia Madsen to the friggin' rescue. And mm-hmm. I was just like, you know, it, like this was. This was one of those, one of the many movies I've seen throughout my life. Where all throughout the movie, I was just saying, "Get the fuck out of here!" In my head, <laughs> and so yeah. it's just like just watching that. I'm just like, uh, "What it?" Because I, I I I saw it then. I saw just the 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 just the just the whole little just the, just the white savior complex, the whole oh, the, just the acid nine stuff of you know just 
making it like this, 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 here's this big Negro that, that's scared that that's wearing a, a goddamn, uh, uh, you know, I don't know, got, uh, 1970s glam rock jacket and just going around <laughs> the hood, uh, you know, decline it or whatever he's doing with the hook. And it was it just, it was just everything about that was just so, seemed so off to me. Maybe because I saw that, I guess I think I saw this when I was high school. I don't know. It was 20, it was like 30 or uh, 200 years ago or something like that. And I just saw it one night on just like, you know, every, every all throughout the night, I was like, fuck this man. It's just, it's, it's just, it's, it just, it was just, it just asinine. It was, it, it was just, uh, just, I just, I felt, you know, just, uh, just, it's like the it's, it's feeling I've had with, with many, many horror movies viewing throughout my time. I'm just watching, not so much scared. It's just like, what the hell are they doing? What, what is this all about? What is, like, how can you be scared of something so goddamn stupid? And so, uh, so it was hard for me to, you know, disconnect, you know, disconnect the whole thing with that. So when I watched this new Candyman, and I saw that was that it was obviously uh, Jordan Peele and, and Nia DaCosta working to, in a way, kind of uh, just do this whole reset of what the character of the Candyman character is, because because they make it seem like this this guy this isn't a a, a, a ghost that comes to just kill people. He's kind of that's the, that's the thing I think that's throwing a lot of people off that this Candyman isn't just this. This 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 kid this killer that comes out of nowhere and just cuts dicks off and steals babies. <laughs> uh, it's 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 a person who's like this this uh, this amalgamation this uh, of 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 just angry uh, uh, souls that have been uh, you know taken away and like because like in the movie you know Coleman Domingo's character is kind of like he, he lifts. Throughout the movie, list off all these uh, 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 fortunate uh, Chicagoans that have been the victim of, uh, of, of police brutality or, or racial injustice. Those are actual real people that he's listing off. Oh wow! Re- yeah, those are actual people. So it's just like it's, it's it, he brings that whole aspect of it where there is like this 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 fact based socially conscious uh, bent into the whole thing. And just you know, try to turn Candyman into just this whole, uh, this 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 uh, Clive Barker uh, conceived uh, urban myth, and uh, turns it into just this 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 uh, this, this harbinger of, uh, of of black vengeance. And I think that's that's in you know, I think that's kind of. Cause let's be honest, like throughout the whole movie, the, the most of the people who predominantly get in this movie are white people. And I think that's been pissing people off. Uh, so I don't know that it, I don't know that it pissed me off. Cause like, there's a part of me that wondered like, Oh, is this going to like, I, I saw this movie like this weekend. So I've missed a whole week's worth of, of um, discourse around it. So I don't know what anyone's been saying, but there was a part of me that was like, Oh God, are there going to be a bunch of bad faith pieces that are like, oh, you know, racial violence when it's directed against white people is celebrated in Hollywood. And to be fair, I didn't go looking for that, but I also didn't see it. And usually mm-hmm. you can't help what you see. So I feel like if that had been a thing, I might have seen it. But I'm sure there is someone out there yelling that. Um, so I didn't 
I don't know, because in in the original Candyman, I remember, and again, I haven't seen it in a while, but I remember there being like almost an erotic charge between Virginia Madsen and Tony Todd. And I don't know if that's just because like Tony Todd is like, I, I was just about to say he's got a honeyed, like, you know, purring voice, but I didn't want to turn it to the bees thing. But there is a there is a seductive, seductive quality to him. Yeah, that's it's it's a. It's there, He's... like as text and as subtext. Oh yeah, because there the character uh, is like I guess searching for his long lost love, and maybe she's been reincarnated as Virginia Madsen's yeah. character. Yeah, and I remember, I remember, and you know when the the movie kind of plays on like a gaslighting thing because like there's the whole thing with the dog, and you know is is she being framed? Is this something that's happening? And so there is that, which again I'm not sure how well it holds up. I really. I really fucking now wish that I had watched that movie again. Um, But I will say that to my mind, I just, I find the concept of the person who has died, who now is just a force of nature going after anyone to be more compelling than, I don't know. There's something weird about Candyman becoming like almost a super heroic figure of vengeance to me. I just, I just don't know that. Well, 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 why is that? I don't know. And, you know, it, it's it's just a th- and maybe it's the way the movie was. And this is unfortunately what what happens when you go and see a movie nowadays, like the way it's marketed, you know, the knowledge of what it had been before. I just, mm. you know, I could see a movie like that being interesting to me, but I don't think that Candyman is the character through which to tell that story, at least to my mind. Like there's just something about. I f- and it's funny I was going to say like there must be a a Jason movie or you know some other horror movie where like oh he's been bad for so long but now here's an even bigger bad and what we need right now is the person who's haunted our nightmares to come and save our waking like life. every Fast and Furious movie from what I understand uh, yeah that's actually a good point yeah well um, I mean that's that's Freddy versus Jason oh yeah I've never seen that but that sounds about right um but yeah, I don't know. There's uh, and I, I, you know, Craig, you asked like, why is that? Like, I don't know that there's a specific reason. I just, you know, walked into this movie and wasn't expecting it to. And I guess we're we've kind of like sidestepped into spoilers now, so I'm just going to say that so people will know. I just think there's something weird about like spending the whole movie kind of caught in this tension of like, oh no, Candyman's going to kill someone, but this person kind of sucks, so I don't care if they die. You know, and then to have it end with him being like, tell everyone, I just don't know, like, where we go from there. I don't know. It's kind of an unfulfilling ending to a movie that's kind of left me cold about this new kind of ethos that that the Candyman is following. Which well, is I mean, you spent, well, I mean, you spent most of your life scared of, I mean, since you were six, just... You you you've you've been scared of this tall, uh, uh, caramel colored dude with bees coming out of his mouth, you know, coming into your your bedroom and and, and cutting your dick off. And <laughs> you know what's just, weird is you keep bringing up the dick thing. I don't remember that. But oh no, uh, there was like a really horrible, upsetting scene where this child got blasted into a toilet and was castrated. It was very upsetting. Oh, wow. No, I just, I just, I, in you know, I, my, my fears were always just the hook to like stomach or neck related. So, so yeah, you automatically just think that, oh, oh, the, you know, the, 
the candy man's gonna come and do some do some shit with with the hook and everything. So here comes this movie where they they try, you know, they they uh, they you know, I admit it, they try to don't breathe too. The, the candy <laughs> man. Oh, that's uh, it. Yeah, that's a perfect example of a yeah, movie. Yeah, but it's just like. But you know the, the whole way they did it, where it was just like, because because in a, in a way the movie, even within the narrative, they they make it they make it like they that people has been uh, telling the story of Candyman incorrectly, where it's mm. just like this like it, you know just you know just this whole idea just like of course you know we we've we've you know, in a sense like the, this. Came in, it's kind of like a, this this representation of just how uh, you know African you know African Americans or people of color have been perceived throughout history as kind of threats of uh, you know just 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 people to fear. I mean, we just I, we just got that with Judas and the Black Messiah. I mean, like everybody thought uh, Fred Hampton was this 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 menace, uh, but it turns out, but it was he's actually this trying to just like say mm. help and save people in Chicago. Mm. And so it's so that's kind of like what was going on with this movie, albeit in more uh you know horror scary movie terms. And you know, people don't I, I I'm finding that people don't, you know, maybe maybe Joe Bob Brick was right that people don't like politics in their horror films, even though some of the best horror films I've ever seen had some uh, modicum of 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 a political commentary, social political commentary in it, but you know that people just want to see uh, people cut up and shit. So. But I mean, there's a balance <laughs> that you have to strike on that. You know, it's it's almost like it, it's and it's nuts. Like when people say like, oh, like you know, movies are so political now. But like literally, like Star Wars: A New Hope was was written with like the rebels being the Viet Cong and the Empire being America. Like that was. That was in their mind when they made that movie. Um, but I think that there is a balance. And I think that this movie just just um, almost comes at it in the wrong way just by how... And this is something that um, that is brought up in that Vulture review that I talked about. The, the lines are just like thuddingly obvious and not particularly well delivered. Um, that room... The, that review is, is particularly harsh on um, the female lead uh Tayona Paris um you know but I mean it, it is it's there's just a there's just something about that it's it's only it, they didn't they didn't fold them together like if you're making a blade out of different kinds of steel you have to fold them enough that they become almost indistinguishable from another and it just feels like this movie just has too jagged of a switchback between them and also this is purely aesthetic it may not affect some people but I also believe that not having the killer be physical presence in the room and instead only visible through reflections just blunts the impact of the violence in a way that, again, in a purely aesthetic way, I didn't like. Well, first off, did, did, let me just ask. I mean, you guys talk about Jelka's review. Did y'all did y'all read my review? I don't think so. I oh. saw your other piece, your Candyman, like the original thing that you wrote. I- I actually, I, I mean, talking about because I didn't read write anything about Candyman with the hands up. I think I saw something in like you wrote for like Nashville. Like I oh well, wait a minute, yo, you talking about a small that blurb I did 
because they, so, they yeah well yeah i wrote some blurb because they were doing like some midnight showings of blackula and candy man and it was just like yeah i guess i just i i think i did it did that well well one day out of the blue and then just i sent it over and and so yeah i because i was thinking like where, where did i do something about candy man i didn't do a big piece but i did this this small little thing actually that, that small little blurb i i mentioned that the the candy man remake sequel whatever was coming up so mm-hmm. i just want i was trying to figure that out like because I, I had trouble figuring out what i like where where you where you got me uh, i think i'd seen i'd seen some tweet or something it might have been from a while ago yeah that was yeah that was a couple of years ago that i wrote that piece but uh sadly i have to admit i think i wrote that in a bar but uh <laughs> i've written many we all, yeah. yeah 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 that and that that's probably why i remember because i was just like yeah i didn't I remember just shooting that off at in a bar but uh but yeah but but secondly you're, you're talking just like yeah and going on to what you're saying just about how uh uh wait uh brian you were telling talking about how the just the things weren't perceived uh well along in the movie you're saying yeah it just to me there there has to be like um <laughs> there's like a saturday night live sketch where they're making fun of i think iron chef and they're like hey the secret ingredient is shark fin and then the joke is that everything they make is like a pizza but there's like a full-on shark fin sticking out of it or like nachos but there's just a shark fin on top of it and that feels a little bit like the messaging in this movie it like wasn't incorporated fully and also to your question about having read your review it is a a a thing that has gotten me in trouble and i have yelled at actually my co-hosts a couple of times that oftentimes i don't like to know the opinions of anyone before we get on here because i just feel like it makes better radio so i have not read your review no because i didn't want to i didn't want to be prepared in any way oh well i mean i just uh yeah, I just say, you know, yeah, if you guys, that, that's your method with it. But I'm just like, you know, just it, it, it is kind of because you guys, you're bringing up certain things. I mean, you got Brian, you was talking about how some things were portrayed throughout the film uh, mm-hmm. that. And it just going back to, you know, what I was saying, like, those were the things that I kind of found interesting just because because. Uh, yeah, so, I don't know. Maybe I'm just old. I'm getting my old in my age, and like shit doesn't scare me like used to. Especially, you know, especially with everything that's mm-hmm. happened in the past year, where it's just like, like ooh, ooh, uh, like a like a scary killer on the loose, whatever. Like, my yeah, well, like, what I'm really concerned about is the asshole at the at the grocery store is not wearing a mask. Like, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Actually, I don't know if we wear it. It's that actual cops don't really feel. Uh, you know, the, the, you know, actual cops are just, you know, there is a possibility that like, if I left, left the house late at night that I could get killed by a police officer, yeah. which is the sad, hard truth. And it's just like when, when you're forced with to deal with that kind of stuff on the daily, uh, it's just like, it's, it's kind of hard to just, just find what, you know, all the, you know, these so-called, you know, they're doing a new, the elevated horror films, wherever the hell they're doing. Like it's hard to be scared by those, 
So it's just like, you know, if you're going to make a scary movie, at least you could do is have some sort of, uh, you know, context or just, or, or, or just make it an interesting story where, you know, it, uh, where, where just like you're, you're, even if you're not, uh, completely down with how the the blood and the gore and everything at least the story uh keeps you uh attuned to it all can we go back to a, a something that we had just mentioned which is that i think i know brian you the movie kind of imprinted on you at a very young age but as somebody who just saw Candyman only a few weeks ago i really didn't take that character of Candyman as a I don't want to say like uh, not like I, he was the villain. Like I know that was how it, he was portrayed, but there were parts of the movie where I was like for Candyman and not for Virginia Madsen's character. If that makes oh, 100%, any sense. Like, yeah. I mean, like I, maybe that is how I'm supposed to read it. Well, I think that's, I mean, that's another the- thing. Like when, when you, you actually root for the killer to kill everybody, that's not a good sign. But that's sort of the problem in this movie too, isn't it? Like you're all the people he kills kind of suck. Like, I don't think there's a like truly sympathetic one in the lot. And and the kids. Okay. Yeah. All right. But the kids are like, you can tell the The movie wants you to hate them. Like they're they're coded as pretty fucking jerky. Yeah. The kids, the kids bully the black girl in the, in the, in the restroom at some point, And that, that feels like a dick move. Although. And they're teenage know, girls. So they suck anyway. So. Right. Exactly. <laughs> like one of them is wearing her name on a necklace. Like what? Is she going to forget her name? <laughs> okay. Yeah, wow. I like that. I got a very right. weird went, laugh went, from Robin for that. <laughs> went, went hard in the paint on that one. Okay. Brian. <laughs> I don't know. It's, well, I mean, The two things I wanted to bring up real quickly, because like one, like you, I just remember like what you're talking about, uh, Brian, about just the the, the reflection thing Mm -hmm. where I feel that just, I mean, that that whole thing that I, 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 maybe I'm wrong with this, but I kind of get this sense just like, you know, just, just the idea of Candyman being this, 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 this i this this mirror reflection of this scary black man and uh just you know just this idea that, i mean almost just like the this is how uh this is you know way black people are seeing especially uh Mateen's character is seeing how uh blacks are usually seen in the eyes of you know non melanin enhanced people I kind of felt that was just this, this that was a, a running theme and just that just that just the idea I had. And also going back to the original came in when uh Robin, you were talking about um uh just the just the idea uh, let me you guys talk about how uh erotic erotically charged the whole thing was. I, you you didn't get this whole uh gothic mandingo esque vibe yeah definitely the whole thing where it's just like you feel oh just like you know just this you know virginia manson just like craving this 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 strapping black book he's gonna mm. ravage her with a goddamn hook <laughs> see I'm, I'm on board until you say with the hook the and then it's like oh yeah wait. i mean this is the 90s you know 90 you know just like you know 
every now and then you'll see Madonna uh, hooking up with a black dude. And it's just like, ooh, it's just, you know, we nobody's figured figured out that, you know, uh, that that interracial relationships could happen just yet. So here comes this, you know, this whole thing where uh, Candy, you know, the hook represents something Falcon always does. And uh, just that whole idea, the, you know, this, this, you know, you know, the whole black love, black, black man, white woman thing is just, just all hot and tawdry and, and all that. Yeah. And, and those are the types of things that I missed on my first viewing. Cause I was six and I was terrified. Um, but yeah, it, it, when I first saw it, I just remember having this palpable sense of like, you know, just like there's a there's a connection there, and and I don't understand it, and I don't know what it is, but it's very palpable, and it's and I I feel like you know you have this concept of Candyman, and it's just weird to have him now be like a spirit of vengeance, and not like in a ghost rider way, but just like, it's, it's like, Oh, there's like a, there's isn't a... he always a spirit of vengeance because the whole thing was well, that so he was I, a, an enslaved person who was then murdered. I think by he a was mob. the son of a slave. I think that he was born a free man. Um, like, uh, but okay, yeah, you know, okay. he has, he has a lineage to that. But he had the I mean, intergenerational as... trauma from yeah. slave from. Yeah. And then, you know, he's, he's in a relationship with a white woman. She gets pregnant, I believe cries rape. <clears throat> and then and then he's he's killed in a horrifying way. But I think what's 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 interesting in a very dark controversial way about the first movie is that it, and it's and it's been brought up as kind of like a even here it's been brought up as like a, a a question of like well what's his what's his ethos like what is his morality like why is he haunting these projects and killing black people if his beef should be with the white people who killed him and I, I think that in in the typical ghost story fashion, like once the once the once the the specter has been raised, it seems to lose all sense of direction. And it just is is a malevolent force out for whoever happens to get in its path. And this one, it's and this one, you know what's weird about this one also that I just realized is that it doesn't feel like he is directing himself. It feels like everyone is just it's like that the 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 people of color in this movie are the only ones with the good fucking common sense not to say the name five times in a mirror in Candyman two or like in in this candy man it just okay. feels like it just feels like every it's not like you know people are saying it and then he's not showing up because he's like no 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 you're not you're not my my predation preference you know it's just that it's only the shitty white people who are the ones who decide to say it. I think I want to call all my crushes my predation preference. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> um, but yeah, Craig, I'm I'm curious. Did you like? Is that something that I, kind of struck you? Like it? Like we, we're saying that he is now like fully vengeful and directing it towards white people, rightly so. But like, it's not like he's making choices. Well, I mean. Sense? I mean, I think we've gotten just basically gotten to the heart of the, ma- heart of the matter is because in the movie uh, black people are seen as as, as kind of uh, superstitious and trepidatious about doing that kind of shit. Mm-hmm. Whereas uh, you know, the white people in the movie are kind of free. Yeah, you know, just go ahead. And just oh, let's say, "Hey, man, mirror, see what happens." And just 
And so not enough it, reverence for the mythos. Yeah. Yeah. This like there are people like, you know, I mean, just I mean, that's kind of one. That's another part. Uh, one of the things that I found humorous. you know, there's these humorous moments where they just like, you know, uh, Tiana Paris, that scene where she's in a laundromat and she sees and she sees that door. She opens it and it's down some some basement. And she goes, nope. And just close the door yeah. and just like I'm not doing because you you if you talk to any black people I know like how many black people in your circles but it's just like you know they don't we we don't do shit like that we don't you know you have just, a good sense of survivalism maybe yeah just uh, the whole the whole the whole fight and flight uh yeah just idea just like you know you know that when there's fights to to. To get uh, to to dive into, and then you know when they get the hell out of there, and that's what's uh, uh, that's that's what's seen a lot in this film, and just you know just you, you, it's this is immediately the sense that just like whenever somebody do the whole, I mean I don't know if you heard that thing where they like if you say they did this that whole online thing where if you say Candyman five times in in your mic in your I don't know iPhone microphone or something. You can unlock the, the the secret trailer, and you know black people were all tweet tweet. I ain't, I, don't, I ain't doing that shit. <laughs> so, so it is this, and it, once again, just goes what I was talking to before. Like there is this this whole sense that uh, this movie really concentrates on just 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 black. Just how just black culture in terms of just uh, just how would black people instinctually uh, go go carry on in, in situations like this as opposed to the white people? I think that's what's been been you know, causing some disconnect and certainly some di- you know some division, certainly division in this podcast. So it's just, yeah, just I just find, you know, the th- the things that I find so appealing about this movie, I, I feel are the things that all of y'all are just like, what's what's that all about? Well, see, I think that it's, it, you know, as we're talking about it, like, yeah, the 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 kind of negative space there, like the question becomes interesting. You know, in fact, um, Brianna's brother in this movie uh, says like black people don't need to be summoning shit. Um, a very, a very uh, subtle and nuanced portrayal of a gay man in this movie. Um, yeah. <laughs> I like that character. Yeah. Like just character. I, I, he's, he's a little. Yeah. A well, lot. <laughs> the, I, don't, I don't know what it is now these days where it's just like in this day, honest, maybe this may be a controversial statement, just like, but when, you know, uh, gay black male African American gay male African Americans are portrayed on on screen. They have to be so goddamn extra. They got just so over. <laughs> there's this there's this movie out now called Summertime, and like one of the first characters you see is this uh, this black guy who, with an afro who uh, apparently uh, goes around uh, doing Yelp reviews or restaurants that don't have hamburgers. And that's the whole <laughs> character. And just like, really? God damn it. Oh just like, it's just so over the top. And just like, you know, just, yeah, I don't know, just like trying to figure out where did, 
where they find these very over-the-top portrayals of uh, of gay male African Americans from them. So what's I mean, interesting, I will say, like uh, most of my friends are either gay men or incels. Like there's no in between. So are they? I, wait I a second. Am, <laughs> like are like they gay, awful, black, and male incels? Right? Are, are they awful? No, like, there's murderous no, incels there's no overlap. <laughs> it's just one or the other. So the reason I mentioned this is just because I think I am already like drawn to, uh, I guess maybe what you would call like effeminate gay men or something like that i don't know if that's even like are the incels effeminate too (laughs) no they are really not (laughs) are these like the angry incels or like the sad incels sad okay come on brian did you really have to ask that about the people that robin hangs out i don't know if like she was like well we've been friends for forever but they really turned lately my babies yeah (laughs) Yeah, but here's the thing is they always start off sad it just takes a while to get angry so you keep an eye on that is such a brian statement um i will say that Brian, you're such a vigilante i swear to god against incels (laughs) It's like just oh, I don't know, just just angry about things and just, and I'm sorry, just but biting your time. killed a lot of people <laughs> lately, so maybe just what? look out for them. I didn't hear what you said. I said incels have killed a lot of people lately. Just have. keep an eye we'll out. You know, you don't have to inform on them, but just you know. It, I don't know many like super misogynistic incels. I just well, I'm sure that they're talking on Reddit about that, and they're trying to play it cool out in the real world until they can rent a bus. <laughs> Leave redditors alone. We're normal. No. Um. What I was gonna say is that it, you know it, it, we make you made a very good point, Craig, about like you know why do gay black men in movies and stuff have to be so extra nowadays? And I will say that in this movie, Carl Clemens Hopkins, who is in Hacks. And he bucks that trend in in Hacks. He plays a character who's not like that, but who is who is uh, who is gay. And um, so, if you're looking for a non extra performance in that way, that's that's the place to go. You know what? There's like a word for this. I for, I think I saw this in a meme, and it was like, if I'm, if oh god, what was it? If if I'm if I'm more than you can swallow, you can go ahead and choke. That's how I just kind of feel. Like <laughs> that's awesome. I like extra people. What can I say? All right, that's fair. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna yuck your yum. I hate that fucking. <laughs> Ew, that's you know like why? A grosser because... phrase than anything. Right. The problem said. is that I I would say yuck to the word yum. So like that's exactly. the problem. Uh, anyhow, I've, but I don't, yeah, I've, I've, I've forgotten what we've been talking about. Um, I'm trying to see about getting. getting well, I mean, back you made a you made a really good point about the 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 use of of the reflection only as like you know how people are seen and how they know that they are seen. So and and we you had kind of talked yeah. about like you, these are the things that you're seeing that we're not, and I was saying that I think that there is like a negative space where those things are interesting to contemplate, but I just I just personally don't feel like the movie pulls them off in a way that makes them into a cohesive whole more than just, you know, that there's stuff to contemplate. Like, I don't know. This is a random example, but like, did anyone else feel like we were supposed to get more about Brianna's father? Yes. Like that, that felt like a thread that was supposed, like we, you know, we find out that Anthony is the baby from the first movie and his has been fated to, carry the Candyman banner, I guess. Um, 
But I just we we get these flashbacks to Brianna's life and they bring up her dad's storage space. And I'm like, oh, we're going to find out that he, too, is a part of the legacy of the Candyman. And then and then it just kind of never happens. Like it doesn't it doesn't come up. What? I think the whole aspect of her character with her uh, father is that she her her father is just an, another I mean as 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 the over the top brother states that we're just like uh Anthony is kind of in a way uh just uh, just uh, just like the same as her father was and her father was 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 mentally ill and committed suicide and in a way like he you know his you know the character of Anthony is going down that same road so she's apparently attracted now like like mm. they bring the whole idea that, that she's attracted to uh you know damaged artists yeah they do say you date your parents stable artist so. and everything and and also you know bring in that whole aspect of of mental illness because uh, that that still continues to be a taboo subject in African American culture that that you know African Americans can suffer from mental illness and 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 you know that's you know just one of the things that uh, you know they did try to you know just try to shoehorn in there to just like just bring just to bring awareness to that. Well, I think I think maybe it felt like a like something to be a red herring in a way because it feels like for a while you're kind of starting to gather these clues about Yaya's character and maybe they were kind of trying to have you know a little bit of a red herring where it would lead you off to think maybe it was it was his girlfriend's you know past that maybe would be haunting her instead and instead you know it's it's like everybody's got their own demons that they're working with in this film uh, but you know, I, I find it interesting that a lot of this kind of, you know, discussion has revolved around making up for the ills of the original film or maybe mm. even original films. And I think there's something to be said about that. And, you know, Brian mentioned it at the top of what the fuck, why do we keep remaking these movies? But not, not, I know he said that, but I know it was mainly in why do we keep naming them the same things? And I think sometimes it's okay to do that if you end up making a better film, um, you know, than the predecessor. And I think that was kind of maybe the inspiration here. Um, obviously, it was also to kind of highlight the fact that they're kind of, you know, disregarding the other two movies and instead focusing on you know, this is a direct sequel to the original and blah, blah, blah. And they've, they've done this a couple of times in, in horror films, uh, recently or just franchise films just in general recently. Um, you know, and so I think it is interesting that this is probably a better version of that original Clive Barker, you know, inspired story. Um, and, I do think it it is beautiful, and I do think it does have some redeeming qualities. Um, 
and it's not just that it isn't scary or that it's not thrilling. I feel like, you know, that's certainly a quibble that I have with it, but that's not my main quibble. Um, I'm definitely of the opinion that, you know, in, in these days of, you know, and I know it's going to, you know, cause eye rolls, but, uh, elevated horror and all of this stuff. I feel like if the story is really, really good, I don't have to necessarily have those thrills and those scares. Mm. And I feel like this film wants to be that. And I feel like maybe there's more sitting on the chopping block because I'll be honest with you. It's very rare nowadays, even for a horror film to be less than two hours. Like this is, this is a really interestingly short film in that it does pack in a ton of stuff. It does pack in a lot of lore and history and yet it's still only 91 minutes. And I feel like maybe some of that, uh, the, the, um, Tayona Paris's character, maybe she was kind of, uh, you know, had some stuff on the chopping block or things like that. So. Hmm. Well, yeah, it, it's, it, I just say that um, I, I in, in, in talking about this movie with uh, all three, you just guys, I, as I mentioned, I was kind of worried uh, mainly because, because you know, as you said, you said, like some of you have seen the movie, and some of you have this idea of what the movie is it, from your perspective, and and for me, uh, it is kind of a very just the whole uh, Candyman franchise is just this this um, racially charged. Uh, Hollywood product where I mean look, those, the first three movies it's like all three movies it's just basically the same plot Candyman shows up and a white woman tries to you know you know white blind lady uh, <laughs> you know just has to deal with the Candyman it's this this whole little tete-a-tete whatever and it's just this whole it's, it, it goes back you know if we if we're gonna be all uh, a film theory about it, uh, just just <laughs> as this goes back to the old days, like of, of King Kong, where it's just like, yep, you know, Fay Ray it turns out to be the one. This blonde white chick is the one. Uh, I can tame the beast. That, yeah, to tame this 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 big savage black animal, which does not represent black people. And so, yeah, so I'm going to see it in a whole different way than you see it. Oh, 100%. I mean, yeah. And so, and and, and and just like, and it's, it's all, I've always found it very difficult to discuss this type of thing, especially uh, with, uh, you know, fair skin alabaster people. Because if you point out certain aspects, if you point out certain things and, and just point out, well, you, know, you may see it from a whole other aspect. They you know, might think you're calling them a racist. They'll say shit like, you know, I'm not racist. I watch Atlanta. You know? <laughs> <laughs> and, I, that might you know, be the funniest thing that someone could possibly say to claim yeah, that they're not racist. Like, <laughs> yeah. <just> <laughs> 
all cool and shit, you know, hey, you know, BLM and ACAB, whatever the hell. And so, but it's just like, it's, it's not that you are racist, it's that you have different, you, you've been, you've basically have been conditioned and kind of been raised to see things differently from other people and it's just gonna that's just just how it's gonna be so so it's just like I, it's not me you know when if i have a different opinion about this movie because i see it a different way that you do not me saying that your race is wrong you whatever just like just like i see it differently because i'm i'm black and y'all see it differently because you're white is it's just it's just that's how it usually well, that's yeah. how it usually is it's the it's like when you said like oh am i gonna get called stupid it's like no like that's not how right. we do it like i i remember when i moved to houston i uh i'm a guy from queens slash you know maryland and so my main way to show affection to people is to insult the shit out of them <laughs> um and then like laugh and aggressively hit their arm and say, I'm just busting your balls. And that shit does not fly in Houston, Texas. Oh, does not at all. <laughs> that is just, not the way to make friends and influence is, people. How so, do you not get yoked? Yeah. <laughs> Brian, so, like, you're a real piece of shit. <laughs> well, that's the I thing is you. like, you know, I'd, I'd make a cruel joke to someone to because I wouldn't say that to someone that I didn't know and love. You exactly. know, you don't, you're not mean to strangers. You're only mean to your friends. And I so, just say that that makes absolutely no sense to me. I don't know what it's like. <laughs> like when I say like if I care about somebody, I'm not gonna tell them like, hey, you're a piece of shit. Like just like I'm, you know, if like yeah, because you could trust the, them. No, I, I, yeah, that's the thing. Is like you should know me well enough to know that when I say the cruelest thing I can think of about you, that I don't mean it. <laughs> Because that's how I was raised. Um, but yeah, no, people I mean. People are so goddamn fragile where it's just like, even if you try to say that, like people, like you can't, you know, if you said something like that, people would probably retaliate like, why would you say that? Oh, yeah. No, I. Most, so it's like, I don't even want to deal with any of that shit. I, like, you know, <laughs> telling a friend that I'm going to stab him to death and then throw him in a ditch is like just me being like, you're you're my best friend and I trust you. And, you yeah, know, exactly. I would take a bullet for you, man. Um, and that <laughs> you, is not. You missed you miss the obvious. You should have said hook yeah. their dick. Oh, okay. <laughs> that sounds I, like something completely different. Right. That sounds oh. like I'm about to do something they're going to love. Um, yeah, exactly. <laughs> sounds like you got paid $5 to do something. Jesus. Um, that's the going rate? Yeah. So, like, that's, you I know, know, just it, it's, it's always funny when it has to break down like that because it's like, no, like, legitimately, like, there's so many ways that so many different things are, are seen and adapted in that way. Like, I remember. When I was watching that movie, I, 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 when I watched Candyman, not as a child, because I wasn't thinking of it then, but later on, I was actually kind of impressed at the fact that it, it is so clear that, that Virginia Madsen's character is an outsider and doesn't belong there. And like most people don't want her there and that she is causing more trouble by being there and doing this. And it, it you know, someone smarter than me could probably write a, a, a treatise about how like she is um a white savior in that movie but also functions in the way that white saviors would function in the real world which is they just make things worse they don't understand what they're doing and it's only going to end in tragedy for literally everyone but doesn't she get her her i mean i don't know if comeuppance is the word but like you know from the beginning that hiding behind research and the academy is bullshit like she's using that as a as a shield 
um, to say, you know, like any anthropologist going into an environment saying like, I'm objective as opposed to like me, even just being in a presence in this environment is already impacting the environment. Right. The like, act I, of observing is, yes. I mean, it's a quantum theory writ large. The act of observing yes, is changing exactly. the outcome. And she, I'm not saying she like gets what she deserves or whatever. Like, I, I just think that I was interested in how, uh, how she ends up paying for that disturbance right. or, so or what have you. I think, you know, to, to tie that back. Or to the, the arrogance, to, the hubris that she has. Right. And so I think to tie that back, what would have been a more interesting route for this movie to take is, you know, you have, you have Anthony's character who is, is an artist, but he is a, a black man. Um, you know, a, a, if you'd want to call him intimidating, I don't know. He's, he's huge and he's ripped and I'm honestly very jealous of him. Um, but like, you know, he, his outsider status would be because he is not, you know, a blue collar worker or he is not, you know, he's, he's an educated artiste, you know, who is written up and, you know, shown in galleries and, you know, so that would be how he's an outsider, but he's not entering into a community in the way that Virginia Madsen's is. That community is now gone. And so he's a little bit, it, it's, it, it makes everything in this movie feel a little episodic and picaresque that there's not a larger unified community into which he is trespassing. It does feel removed from Cabrini Green. Yeah. Does that? I mean, that's the whole. Well, that's the whole point. I mean, uh, yeah, there, yeah. There's no, there's no more Cabrini Green. It's all, right. Cabrini Green is all gentrified and stuff. And the, and there's of course like the 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 the, the row houses that kind of uh, are zoned off via the police. Mm-hmm. And so and and it's just it's just no longer a community. It's just it's just some some places hipsters call home. Yeah. No. Well, no. It, I I get that. I just meant like that. The through line I had I had sort of trouble with, but I think maybe that's exactly the point, like you're saying, Craig, which is that it, we're supposed to be like, where, like, where are they situated? Um, uh-huh. Which maybe I didn't quite right, get I while I was watching it. Was was their new their new apartment was on the the land of Cabrini on the grounds, Green, right? I'm pretty sure that's what they were implying, at least. Yeah. Because it's I don't know his 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 reaction to being there is like, wow, this place is so far from my home. And I think that's kind of what I was talking about with the geography. I just, this movie felt a little, a little broken up though. The part that felt the truest is when the guy from New York calls Chicago provincial. Mm. I just wanted to, I wanted to choke him with his fabulous scarf. (laughs) Yeah. I think you bring up a really interesting point, Craig. And I think I I 100% agree with you, which is this, uh, which is the idea that uh, Bill, Brian and I are, uh, I don't know if we're quite all, I mean, we're white passing for sure. I don't know if Brian and Bill identify as white. Um, uh, I do. Uh, I mean, I would say that like, you know, the Irish part of my geneal- genealogy wins out in terms of like how I look. I do know mm-hmm. that like the, the Mexican part is there. Um, mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I, it's, I, I, there's, it's weird. Cause I feel as though a large part of my identity was self erased by my grandfather um, mm-hmm. in his decision to change his name and to kind of turn his back on his family, um, which I think was for personal reasons and not ethnic ones. So that makes it even stranger because I have no concept of what that family history was. Right. Um, so it feels weird 
trying to reclaim it, um, especially, you know, just because nowadays everything is a lot more uh, like the, the concept of like your race is a lot more stressed today in a political and like social media sphere. You know, we all try to figure out like, what is the hashtag that we should use for ourselves? I guess, you know, what, what reflects your brand. And I know that like, you know, I've been raised, you know, with my Irish and Italian side as, as the, the biggest one. And so now it feels like, Oh, am I trying to like flee my whiteness by trying to pick up on more mm-hmm. of my, my Mexican side or, you know, am I just actually finally trying to be true to every piece of me now that I finally understand like the fullness of my story? Um, but but regardless so, yeah. of that, I mean, you you like, have lived life with most people thinking you're a white person. That's all I'm I'm getting at. And I think what Craig yeah. was saying is is that we have all through our whiteness have been socialized by whiteness, um, and that is automatically going to I don't know give us like a a completely different vision of what this movie is trying to accomplish. I think because because we don't live in a world where our race is immediately detected. Although I think something you said really interestingly, Craig, was that um, you were saying that like black people have like a survivalist instinct um, that maybe like other groups don't have. And I, it really made me think about sort of my Jewish heritage um, because I am Jewish and how growing up Jewish, but also white is kind of an, uh, it, you know, it's interesting because on the one hand, you're like, I mean, especially because my parents were older, we were constantly taught like, um, or like I was constantly taught, like I should never really bring it up um, that, you know, people were always going to have like opinions about you being Jewish, even if they don't say anything, like tell people you're British, like whatever. I mean, my father said all this stuff and, you know, it's easy to say, oh, he was paranoid. Club. Well, that's a whole other thing, but you know, it, it's easy to say that he was paranoid, but actually like a lot of his, uh, like the survival instincts were were there because of you know things that his family had been through. So um, I don't know. I thought it was really kind of interesting because I, I feel like Jewish people somewhat have that similar like I'm not going there. <laughs> like I I'm just gonna keep my head down and keep keep walking past because it's like I don't want to be involved. Like there there's I mean maybe that's just how I was raised. Maybe I shouldn't speak for all Jewish people, but that's certainly how my father raised me. Um, have, you, have you often found that to be a very uh, uh, contradictory thing in terms of because it's just like because, you know, just just knowing about you know, Jewish history and culture, you know, I'm just going to go out on a limb and say y'all have been through a lot and y'all should be, you know, you know y'all should be open enough to talk about the experiences you've had, but you know, and, and it's, it's, it's almost seen the same way as how African-Americans are portrayed or are perceived in this, in this country. Whereas just like, like nobody wants to hear about the, the persecution and, and the genocide mm-hmm. and just the various, you know, just uh, uh, bigoted uh, 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 things that, that, uh, that pe- that Jewish people have gone through, and so they they come you know they they've come up with all this crazy shit. I like I've never understood the whole you know the whole kinds of people being anti-Semitic towards 
uh, you know, to Jewish people doing a whole lot of the, 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 the stereotypes of like they, 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 they're good with money and they keep money and they're, they're the kids or whatever the hell. I never understood like just why Jews would be so uh, uh, mistreated and misrepresented. And maybe you could explain that to me, but just, but I, but I feel that had a lot to do with the fact that, that they don't, they don't want, they don't want, people know about how hard Jewish people have had it. You know, we can just take it all back to, you know, just, you know, the biblical days, but it's just like, you know, just, just people should know that just, you know, various cultures and communities and minorities have all had their, their, uh, just their issues in terms of uh, trying to, be something in this world and only to just get it, uh, you know, just cut down by uh, uh, pale face motherfuckers who think they're better than them. Mm. <laughs> Pretty well, I mean, yeah. there's a reason why my, like, I have green eyes and I'm very pale. And like, the reason that is, is because I'm sure that I have a lot of like Slavic genes from lots of rape that have occurred you know in the last several hundred years like it's you know it's just a fact of my existence um and i i'm the reason i bring it up is not to equate jewishness and blackness like is it's by any means it's just to say that like as um as somebody who has grown up in a culture where it's like i benefit from whiteness and i benefit from that privilege it is also something that you have to be very um very mindful of like knowing that that privilege could be taken away at any time for various reasons, as we've seen in history and, or um, it's like exactly what you were saying, Craig, which is this idea that like, I'm not going there. I'm just going to keep my mouth shut. I'm not going into that basement. <laughs> like I was taught better than this. Like I was taught not to, you know, just like, uh, what do they say? Like, like uh, keep your mouth shut. Just like do it, do what you're told, whatever, like, because rocking the boat like you can't afford it you you can't afford not to be perceived as white uh in especially in some you know parts of the country so um I, that's all i was getting at i i again i didn't mean to equate those two things i think i'm very privileged um and i and it makes me read the movie differently because i've been socialized in a, a completely different way um than you have so yeah it's it it the movie is bringing out like a lot of things that I didn't uh, this discussion is bringing a lot of different things that I didn't think about when watching the movie so I, I appreciate your perspective uh, thanks and then Brian you're talking about uh, you mentioned earlier about how you've you know fleeing your whiteness and, and all that stuff and, and and let me just say something dude you know, you're Irish and Italian you're, you're stuck it's just <laughs> like it's it's just <laughs> like it's just I mean, like you're you're Irish, Italian, and Mexican. You say uh, that is what we know of so far. Yes. Yeah. So it's just like, but you know, like just people just see just like you know you, you know just the, the the whiteness, and it's just like like one of those things where it's just like you know you may not see yourself as white. You may be white. You guys may be white adjacent, adjacent. and it's just like you. So, but so you do, but you do have. You know, even if you don't feel that you have it, there is people see you. There is that sense of, oh, oh, he's white. He know, you know, he looks white, so he knows what I'm you know, going through <laughs> and everything like that. 
And so, you know, you could, you could be, you know, you could be, you know, do the 23 and me and just find out, you know, all the, the different parts of the world uh, you're connected to, but just like, it's just like, yeah. And as I always say, it's just like, you know, you, you don't have, y'all don't have to win awards. You're white. That's, that's, that's your trophy right there. <laughs> just, just go around. Just yeah, you don't have to win anything. Just like and I, I never got. I never said the concept of when, when white people win awards. It's just like it's, it's like who gives a fuck, y'all? Just like. <laughs> yeah, no, it's 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 been a it's been a weird ride, like for me, like looking into that and figuring that out about myself and seeing that, and then of course, like my dad has started doing a lot of research into our genealogy and like just like the way that we came over and everything, and it's just crazy to see like the entire history of everything. And it's, it's, it's a, it's, it's um, a weird, like, I don't know, like the, the whole concept of the American melting pot sounds good until you realize like how much of your, your like traditions and your life you lose trying to just like flatten yourself out to like whatever this monolithic concept of being an an American is. It's very odd. I mean, I I say that it's a Jewish, oh, I was just saying it's a Jewish new year and I couldn't even find chicken livers at the store. <laughs> like, I oh, guess you got to come here. We got we got chicken litters, livers. We got pig's feet. Uh, it's a little to, weird. You need to go to a black supermarket first of all. That's that's a whole other thing. Just like well, so that's yeah, we that's why we've got all that here because um, we have a very large African American population, and we have a lot of uh, like West Indian food here. Oh, it's like mm, ugh, the DC yeah. area is just mwah, a culinary. What's the word? Bouquet bounty. <laughs> Cornucopia. That's what I was looking for. I was like, what's the horn with the stuff spilling out of it? <laughs> the blood. <laughs> yeah, that's the one. Yeah, I you were all right. I, I was on they said that I went to the store and they were like, there hasn't been chicken livers for a month. I think there's a shortage. So like in my mind, there's some kind of like national <laughs> gizzard crisis or something. All right, <laughs> like, all right. Oh, Hamilton, just- Hamilton. <laughs> y'all, y'all, first of all, you need to go like to the you know, you need to go to like some some hood chicken spots like mm. here in Houston, we have hearts chicken and they just, they just have like a gizzard special on Tuesdays. That That's does awesome. sound really good. Uh, actually there is a gizzard special. This is the, like the, that's the blackest day I ever saw once. It's like, we have a, we have like chicken and gizzards. And I'm just like, Oh Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. All right. Well, you do we have any Bill, other? I'm sorry. No, Bill was going to say something and I, no i said i said hamilton so okay oh yeah that's that's bill's cohort for we're we're doing too many tangents um i think we've been really good about the tangents today we've been yeah i haven't said it until now (laughs) um yeah are there any final thoughts on uh candyman before we wrap up for the the evening hey i dug it and just i dug talking about it with y'all even though like y'all didn't really have because yeah that's like was as i said just like something i was wondering about like as i was watching it just like you know what do white people probably think of this would first of all would they have a problem with that girl who talks in nothing but joy division song titles oh i hated her (laughs) i mean that is like all white girl minstrel show type stuff but you know they exist so (laughs) you know you Basically, as I call her, every record store counter girl ever. And so, yeah, it's, yeah, but it's just, I don't know, it's like, you know, with the history I have of the movie, 
just not to mention just like everything because I, I I don't know if you guys know like there's also there's always been this talk that there's also been this talk that um the the movie was the original movie was partially based on this real life murder that happened in the Cabrini Green. Yes, project. I read about that. Yeah, where a woman like somebody like somebody actually uh, crept through a woman's bathroom mirror. Like a like a like a medicine cabinet, bathroom mm-hmm. medicine cabinet, yeah. that killed her, and like people didn't uh, think about it. So it's like it's, it's they, they used all this to to tell this to tell a very uh, that you know to have to tell a story that would have been appealing on its own, but they added all this, uh, you know, this 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 you know, do the as I mentioned before the whole black man white woman and the white woman defeat the black man and the white woman you know you know he, he ends up there she becomes the hero and everything and it's just like it's, it's just yeah you know, and then there were three movies of that and then you know when jordan peele and, and nia da costa came together to do this you know just like i thought i was gonna follow down that same pattern but it was like this whole other uh, this this whole other this, this re- reboot or reset, if you will. Yeah, I I, I, I dug it. It's just is I can you know I can see how some people who just want to see the the gore and, and the bloodiness and all the all the nasty stuff, but it's just like you know I and I'm 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 you know I'm like you know I'm, listen I'm I'm getting too old for a lot of this shit, mm-hmm. so. And it's just like this. It's just nice to see movies that at least try to appeal to me as an adult. So, uh, so I yeah. frequently complain that movies aren't gory enough for me. Like this is a running theme of the podcast, and not very specific to Candyman. <laughs> yeah. Well, just you know, you know, you know, you can have the gore. You know, I don't mind the gore, but it's just like if the story's still good, you know, just. Yeah, just that's that's a that's a bonus. Yeah, I, I feel you on that one. You also just mentioned something that I can't. Oh, I forgot what I was going to say. Uh, never mind, I forgot. I was about but, to say you have yeah. four seconds. All right, I forgot. <laughs> It wasn't about Joy Division Girl? Yes, it was about Joy Division Girl. And I was just going to say that I didn't hate her because I was offended by her. I just hated her because she was annoying. And I would hate anybody in real life who was like her. So I also wanted that to be very clear. Mm-hmm. Right. Well, she sucks. The The guy, the the curator dude sucks. The the art critic sucks. Yeah, they, they all had to go. So. Hi. <laughs> 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 Their loss benefits the world at large. Um. Yeah, I don't know. She, she at that point, almost every character in the movie was flat enough that like her flatness having a at least one specific thing about it made me like kind of okay with it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but anyway, I'm glad that we ended this talking about Joy Division Girl. Uh, R.I.P. Joy Division Girl. That is it for today. Um, Craig, thank you so much for joining us. I and it's you know it's funny because we said we were down to talk and you said give it an hour and I'm pretty sure it's been an hour and we are still yeah. having a civil meaningful conversation <laughs> yeah that that's shocking we, uh, we strive for that we must be some monsters like <laughs> or like you must have presumed we would be some jerks or something i don't know well you know listen c- c- compared to every you know how people usually are these days especially when it comes to online and just how you do see it's just like you really 
you know, I'm shocked Nike hasn't made shoes that are at, that have actual eggshells on the bottom. <laughs> because I feel that's how you have to come to towards everybody these days. It's like you like you can't just just roll up on people and say, hey, like no, you gotta, you know, you, you have no you have no idea how many white people I have offended just by trying to talk to them like a human being. Wow. It's just, it's just like the, the store, the, the, like I just, I have accidentally scared so many millennials and it's just been a, just <laughs> a journey where it's just, they just scared. And I try to talk to them and say, Hey, you know, I'm not scary. And they're still like, you know, this, I, I, like I had a, a, a guy and a girl like her, his, the girl was 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 behind her guy and the guy was looking down. And I'm like, what the fuck is wrong with you two? Was just, <laughs> They're just uh, waiting for you to mug them. Yeah. Oh, God. Like, yeah. It's just, yeah. Uh, that, that's, that's the whole thing that people don't talk about. It's just like, you know, you know, when it comes to who I uh, expect racism from, the 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 least is like if I, it's surprising that like I like I hang out more with older white people because when they raise it I can just tell them, but like it goes back to what I was mm-hmm. telling you that like you know if I tell younger people they're racist they lose their shit because they cry they, their white I, tears at you. Now I am not racist. I think Certified Lover Boy is the best album of the year. <laughs> I am. I, mean, I not, am. No, I don't even know what the hell Certified Lover Boy is, so I don't know what that it's, makes it's me. It's not but. good. It's not good, and it's by Drake. I think it's great, oh. uh, William, and just I think it's a good movie. It's just it's better than Donda. I'll tell you that. Shit. But yeah, oh so I am I am so far out of my depth in this conversation. Well, I, well, I'm just I'm just saying, just like just it's not, it's not so much you know just yeah, just like I've always I you know I try to make sure I I I, sl- I slip into things. Real easy before I say something out of pocket, which I've been known to do well, a lot. I, you know, you, we is- brought up Judas and the Black Messiah earlier in this podcast. And on that episode of this podcast, the guest said that I would be the, one of the first to die during a race war. So, like, <laughs> and we continued to have a conversation for another 45 minutes afterwards. So, like, it's really difficult to get me to a point where I'm like, uh, I don't want to be here. I um, I can take it. It'll, it's fine. Um, You're a real piece of shit, Brian. I'm a I'm a certified son of a bitch, is what I am. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, you shouldn't piss on me if I'm on fire. Um, you yeah, sound like a Chris Christopherson song. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a certified son of a bitch. I'm, I'm fine with that. That's like probably one of the nicer things that anyone's ever it's like said. Like outtakes from Star Is Born. <laughs> yes. Oh yeah. Um. But yeah, so it's been awesome having you. I'm glad that yes. we were able to talk about uh, Candyman and um, everyone. Should I, I shout out my socials? Yes, 100%. Oh, yes. Um, uh, before we do that, I want to add, Robin, what are we talking about next week? Uh, the card counter. All right. I got to figure out how to see that. I think it's in theaters. Oh, for the love of God. Stop making Why me go to you theaters. connected to your publicists? Like, I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> 
my publicists. Um, and don't forget that we are brought to you by movie, MUBI.com slash filmstage for a free 30 day trial. Go to patreon.com slash the filmstage show to give us your money. Let's tell the fine people at home where we can be found between now and the next time. Uh, so yeah, Craig, plug your socials and um, don't forget to read. Uh, now Now that we've done talking, I am going to go read your Candyman review on Crooked Marquee. And don't yes. forget to read the Menace to Society Criterion essay. And don't November. forget to go find that super obscure blurb from a couple years ago that Robin <laughs> found. Yeah, I just... It started I out as a tweet. <laughs> yeah, I, well, I'm yeah, I'm always surprised. Like people, you know, I I post those things, and you know, people don't read anymore. So just like when people, you know, I just put them out there, and just when people when I find out, oh, you read that? Oh, that okay? That's 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 touching. I appreciate that. But um, it's uh, yeah, okay. Uh, at Uncle Crizzle, U uh, N C L E. C R I Z Z L E as the whole kitten caboodle. Uh, that's uh, Twitter, uh, Facebook, Instagram, uh, TikTok. I don't really TikTok. I just like watching uh, videos of uh, convenience store clerks fuck with people. Um, <laughs> you lurk talk. Those are good. That's yeah, not on my FYP. I gotta I gotta go hunting for those. Yeah, not a, not that Charlie D'Amelio shit. Uh, this, uh, <laughs> Venmo, PayPal, uh, just yeah, I'm pretty sure my Tumblr page is just a bunch of dead links now, but uh, yeah, just 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 type in at Uncle Crizzle and U N C L E C R I Z Z L E. I I post all the uh pieces I write, you know, I have a monthly column in Crooked Marquee called uh. Harvey's Hellhole, where I uh, discuss all the movies that have been uh, mismanaged, uh, mismarketed, and just just uh, <laughs> mishandled by Harvey Weinstein during his Miramax era, and uh, just and just very, I just write for various other publications, hoping that once you know, one step closer will take me to that leap home. Woo. All right, Bill Graham. Uh, you can find me not at the Cabrini Greens homes because they have been transformed into upscale high rises and townhouses, which I can no longer uh, afford. <laughs> yeah. Oh, well, uh, their apartment had CH. two floors. Two oh, well, floors. Hold on, hold on. Part of that is also owned by the CHA, so you know they have mixed income neighborhood. Uh, mm. But. Uh, Anyways, uh, you can find me on Instagram at Billstagram. You can also find me on the Slack channel, Mixing It Up. Uh, definitely been having a lot more fun in there. The discussions around the Matrix is, uh, is <laughs> the wild right now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. Cool. Robin Barr. Uh, you can find me searching for chicken livers, um, but also at R-O-B-Y-N-B-A-H-R. That's my... Twitter handle. Uh, you can sometimes find my writing at The Hollywood Reporter. I recently reviewed He's All That, which I liked, actually. Oh, um, awesome. It was cute. And what else? Uh, Letterboxd. sometimes. Yeah, same. R-O-B-Y-N-B-A-H-R. Yeah, find me. And awesome. hey, do some interesting TV articles in there as well. So. Neat. <laughs> As for me, uh, you can find me on all the social medias and uh, everything at Brian J. Rowan, my personal site at Brian J. Rowan. And um, 
Yeah. Um, if if you uh, would like to learn more about the liquor that I make that we discussed earlier in the episode, uh, go to SchmidtSpirits.com. Um, if you're in the Virginia, Maryland, Delaware, D.C., even Pennsylvania area, um, I'm going to be hitting the festival circuit soon. So get ready for that. You can come and try out my stuff along with a bunch of other people's. I'm now plugging my liquor more than I'm plugging any movie-related stuff. So let me get back on to that. You can find uh, every episode of this here podcast and all my movie writing over at thefilmstage.com as well. So ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for joining us and tune in next week. (laughs) 